The ability for developers to work remotely is more feasible now than ever. Group messaging, improved video conferencing, cloud-based collaboration tools, all of these things make it easier to connect distributed teams or remote team members. So, why is it that some companies claim that the future of work is remote, while others are pulling their remote workers back into the office? Yahoo announced the company will stop its employees from working at home. And what's better for employees? The social connection of the office, or the flexibility to work from wherever? On this episode of the If Else podcast, we're going to meet a front-end developer who's at a crossroads. My name is Jonathan, and I am a front-end developer in San Antonio. He's looking at two different job offers, one where he'd be working with the team in an office, and another where he'd be working remotely. To weigh the pros and cons of each scenario, we've got two industry experts on deck, ready to argue on behalf of their preferred approach in a debate-style setting. I'm Emily Freeman, and I think Jonathan should consider taking an on-site job. I'm Katie, so I think Jonathan should really consider a remote option. The plan is to explore the latest trends in remote and on-site work, and to give our decider the information he needs to make the right choice. Mayuko Inoue, and this is If Else, your guide to smart choices in the field of software development. It's a show that'll help you hone the soft skills and master the hard skills you need to have a sustainable career in tech. Every episode, we take a big technical or career challenge and give you the background information you need to make the best choices. It's for everyone from newbies to experienced developers, and for development team managers too. And it's brought to you by CTO.ai, the makers of the Ops platform. We begin with Jonathan. My name is Jonathan. I'm currently teaching myself to code while I work as a sales consultant for a local distribution company here in San Antonio. Jonathan is a self-taught front-end developer working in Angular and React. He's got two job offers, one remote and one on-site, but he isn't sure which one to choose. Uh, I'll be honest, I want remote work um, just because of the sheer flexibility and I have a family, so that would definitely be a huge advantage. But the practical side of me says that I should take the on-site work and kind of learn from a, a more senior developer and then maybe in a year or two look seriously for a, a remote position there are several factors for Jonathan to consider. I've been told that as a new developer, I should really shy away from remote work because it's easier to kind of wheel over to someone's desk or to walk to someone's office and, and ask for help with a specific problem. And being that software developers, um, it's, it's hard to explain in words. It's easier to show someone a problem. So there's definitely that aspect of it. Honestly, I think if this on-site job has a more senior developer that I can lean on for a little bit of expertise and a little bit of help, that, uh, that'll be a big deciding factor as well. So, which options should Jonathan choose? That's our challenge for today. This is a decision that can have long-term implications. A remote job may give Jonathan lots of flexibility, but will he miss out on opportunities to connect with his team? 
Can he get the mentoring he's looking for if he's not bumping into senior developers at the water cooler? Or is this just an old-fashioned way of thinking? The stakes for businesses are high, too. Companies want to remain attractive to talent by offering flexible work scenarios. An office space is expensive to lease and maintain. Then again, if teams aren't cohesive or communication is hampered, productivity can really take a hit. This is a tricky question for employers and employees alike. Let's take a bit of time to do an overview of the two options. We'll start with some background on on-site work. Office-located work is obviously the traditional approach, but the nature of on-site work has changed dramatically in the last couple of decades. Radical redesigns of office spaces have changed the way people work. For many businesses, offices and cubicles have given way to open concept designs for better and for worse. A big argument for working together in the same space is social connection. This is the idea that crossing paths with coworkers, even coworkers on different teams, can lead to improved job satisfaction and novel solutions to tricky problems. And there are subtle but important aspects of the way that people communicate that get lost over email, messaging, phone, or even video conferencing. In fact, some companies have actually reversed the remote work policies and pulled the remote workers back to the office. Companies such as IBM, Yahoo, and Bank of America, among others. For some employees, on-site makes a lot of sense. Have a listen to some opinions from developers who work in an office environment. I was working at a 40-person healthcare startup. And for me, it was really nice being on-site because as a new developer, I was able to get help really quickly when I got stuck. I think it's really good to kind of be at an office and interact with lots of different people so that naturally different opportunities might come up. I think when you're on-site, you also get more diversity of opinions and diversity of thoughts. So your ideas can be annealed into a, a better state by just rubbing shoulders with other people. Researchers at Harvard actually found uh, when they were studying a company, when the company switched to an open plan office, the face-to-face -face time decreased by around 70% and the email usage increased by between 22 to 50%. So that's actually the exact opposite of what an open plan office is supposed to achieve. There you have some opinions on the pros and cons of on-site work, the positive social aspects, and opportunities to connect with a diversity of ideas. Those are good things for sure, though that last developer mentioned challenges of staying focused and getting work done in an open concept office. If you want to learn more about that particular aspect of office life, I've got a link to the Harvard study he mentioned. Definitely something to consider. You can find that in the show notes and at cto.ai slash podcast. We'll get some additional perspective on the benefits and disadvantages of working on-site during our debate. But for now, here's some context to consider on remote work. Remote work and distributed teams make up an increasing proportion of the development workforce. And there are benefits beyond the flexibility of working in your pajamas. Remote work can reduce or eliminate long commutes. For some people, this may mean a big reduction in their transportation costs and their carbon footprint. And it can be a huge help in managing a busy family life. You can be there when your kids are home sick from school, for example. 
The advent of affordable broadband internet really launched a trend toward remote work. Cloud-based platforms have made sharing and collaborating on projects remotely much easier, to the point where many projects can be location agnostic. And where video conferencing used to be a luxury, it's now a common and inexpensive or free tool. But still, remote work has a stigma attached to it. This might be partly due to misperceptions about what remote work actually means. It's true that some people work from home, make their own hours, and can raid the fridge whenever they want. But many remote workers have a dedicated office space and keep regular business hours to stay synchronized with the rest of the team. There's also a distinction to be made between completely remote workers and an employee who's allowed to work from home every now and then. For my money, the bigger questions are around autonomy, flexibility, and the social aspect of work. Have a listen to some perspectives from developers doing remote work. When I finally got that job where I could work 100% remote, it was a great experience. There wasn't somebody over my shoulder. And the best part is I could work anywhere. So I would travel, I would do like travel vacations where I would go visit someplace I've always wanted to visit. In terms of individual contribution productivity, for me, it is way higher. I would say probably 25% more productive to work remotely. And that's mainly because uh, you're not interrupted and you're able to really stay focused. I use Stack Overflow, Google, absolutely everything. I'm in a few uh, Slack and Facebook groups for other self-taught developers. So uh, there is some people that I can go to that can help out. Sometimes the information is not as meaningful as somebody that is a senior developer on your staff to go to, but you can get some help along the way. If you're gonna do 100% remote work, I I would highly recommend trying to find a co-working space where you can get a, a desk and it will feel more like a community than just sitting at home every single day. Some dev community thoughts on how to make remote work work better for you. Try working from exotic locations or find a co-working space so you don't feel lonely. So now you have some context on both remote and on-site work. Let's check back with Jonathan to get a sense of which direction he's leaning. So I'm really leaning more towards the on-site for a few different reasons. I know myself well enough to know that I will get distracted. I also know myself well enough to know that while I can adhere to deadlines, it's easier to adhere to those deadlines if someone is you know, physically in front of me reminding me that, uh, that we have a deadline. Jonathan is pretty circumspect. He knows that he can get distracted and lose sight of deadlines. But are those good reasons to avoid remote work? Remember, he also really craves the flexibility that remote work offers. Let's give Jonathan some more information to consider before he makes his decision. We've got two experts lined up to help him out. Emily Freeman joins me on the line from Denver, Colorado. Emily is a software engineer who advises companies about how to scale up and build company culture. She also leads the modern operations team in cloud advocacy at Microsoft. And she's the author of DevOps for Dummies. Here's your 30-second intro. I'm Emily Freeman, and I think Jonathan should consider taking an on-site job so that he has the first-hand experience as a junior engineer who is working with more experienced senior and principal 
engineers who can review his code with him in person. And Katie Wamersley joins me from Vancouver, British Columbia. Katie is a VP of engineering at Buffer, a social media publishing platform company where all their employees work remotely. So you can guess which side she's arguing for. Here's your 30 second intro. I'm Katie, so I think Jonathan should really consider a remote option because where he's located in San Antonio, Texas, it matters more the quality of the team he joins and who he learns from. And I think there are more options for him if he considers the remote world as opposed to limiting himself to learning from whoever happens to be in his town he's from. Okay, Emily, Katie, thank you so much for coming onto the show. Uh, You've made your pitch, and now we want you to make your case. So first, Katie, Buffer is well known for being a team that's entirely distributed, uh, and your team works across 15 countries and 11 time zones. So can you tell me what are the challenges and rewards in leading teams of remote engineers and developers? So as you already heard Buffer Leads, we have 37 engineers right now, 15 countries, 11 time zones. So certainly one of the challenges is collaborating and building a strong bonded team um, that doesn't have knowledge silos, that has a learning culture when people don't have, it's not that they're not in real life together, they sometimes don't even have much time zone overlap to be synchronously online at the same time. And one of the rewards is being able to do this successfully and to learn from people in 15 different countries in the world and to have a work culture that allows you to transcend some of these physical boundaries and physical barriers. So you can have a really interesting, really diverse team of developers that you are learning from and working with. And being part of a team that's fundamentally so global um, in its outlook, it's extremely rewarding. Yeah. And I'm curious, is there anything you miss uh, in particular about on-site development environments from a leadership perspective? And then I'm, I'm also curious, what kind of tools do you use to help bridge that gap? Right. Well, from a leadership perspective, one of the wonderful tools about an on-site environment is that you have so much more behavioral data. You can see how people are interacting, how their body language is, who they're speaking to, who might be you know, looking stressed and working late day after day. And a lot of that data gets hidden in the remote environment. So as a leader, that is a tool set that's incredibly useful and that I do miss in the remote environment. And some of the tools we use here, we have a lot of tools. And instead of going through every single tool, I would say the most important general setup thing you can do tools-wise is ensure that you have very strong channels for asynchronous communication. That's communication that doesn't need to happen in real time. So think of an email as opposed to a group chat or a task tracker as opposed to pinging someone in real time and say, hey, are you finished with that bug or that story? So invest in your asynchronous tools. And then the synchronous time that you do have, um, use that really wisely. Use it to share high bandwidth context and to get as much of that more behavioral data from your team as you can. Things that you can't get from an issue tracker or, you know, a asynchronous email update about what's happening. That totally makes sense. So, Emily... Uh, According to the Stack Overflow developer survey results from 2019, 
Um, almost 60% of developers survey say that they prefer to work in an office, while over 30% would prefer to work at their own homes. So the preference still seems to be more for office environments. So from your perspective, what makes on-site work environments more desirable? Yeah, I mean, it's just what my counterpart said, that the body language and the in-person communication is radically different than what you're going to get on Slack or Teams or email. It also makes it incredibly easy to build relationships with your colleagues. So in a remote team, it's typical that a lot of the contact you have with your colleagues is purely work-focused. You are meeting to plan something. You are reviewing code together. You're doing very work-focused and structured communication. Whereas in an office, you have this ability to actually kind of very casually build rapport with the people you work with. You're talking about things like your daily life or something as <laughs> banal as the weather. You're getting to know people. And those types of friendships build, I think, a more tight-knitted and bonded work environment. Totally. And on the flip side, what are some aspects of on-site work that can be challenging? Sure. I mean, for one, you have to go into the office. <laughs> um, yeah. So, I mean, that's going to be like differ where you are in the country. But if anyone is like me, I loathe traffic. I can't deal with it. And so, you know, depending on where you are, you know, I know Jonathan's in San Antonio, but say he took a job in San Francisco. That would, one, solve the challenge of, you know, having broader opportunities and certainly raising his initial salary for his first job. But part of that is you live in San Francisco and it's really expensive. And so where are you going to live? Um, are you going to live downtown in basically a closet or are you going to have to travel? And you have to kind of keep all of this in mind. Some companies have shuttles and different transportation options, but you're still sitting in traffic. And that can be a, a huge challenge. Definitely. As someone who used to commute up to the city for an hour and a half, I can definitely attest to <laughs> how terrible it is to sit in traffic for yeah. a while. So Katie, you've written a lot about mental health aspects of work, which is awesome. And I'm wondering, how does working remotely impact mental health? Well, it's not good. What happens is that not for everybody, but for some people, the physical isolation of remote work, especially if you work from your home, can trigger loneliness. And that does then correlate statistically with anxiety and depression at more clinical, more severe levels. So that's something people need to be quite aware of when they're considering remote work to join a co-working space or something Buffer does is reimburse co-working spaces. But we also reimburse coffee at coffee shops. And we literally just want people to get out of the house and speak to real humans in real life, even if it's a barista, and just be in the land of the living for a little bit. It goes a really long way. So there's ways you can mitigate this, but we need to talk about that because it's not going to happen automatically on its own the same way that in an office environment, you're going to get that human connection kind of by default. Of course, the flip side of getting distracted by default, you don't have to monitor either. So Definitely. It sounds like something we like you just have to be very mindful of, especially if you're working in a remote environment. Absolutely. I just want to add that I've worked remotely for a couple of years now, and there's this really funny 
transition from when you start remote work and then about six months in because at the beginning you like get up every morning and you do things like you shower and you have breakfast and you get dressed and then at some point you become this monster and (laughs) getting (laughs) dressed becomes you know quite quite the event to tackle and so um yeah I've definitely been guilty of of taking meetings in my fancy pajamas (laughs) okay So let's talk about remote versus on-site from a business perspective, because there's pros and cons from here as well. Um, Katie, could you talk a bit about some of the considerations for companies who are trying to balance efficiency and team cohesion with the cost of an office space? Mm -hmm. So from chatting to companies, the number one reason people have for remote work is that it's going to be cheaper for them. It's going to make uh, Mm -hmm. business sense. So it breaks down a couple ways. The first is you're saving on office space. That's true, but if you're reimbursing co-working spaces for folks, which I really think you should, and you're investing in team travel to maintain that cohesion, it's probably going to shake out to about the same. The bigger savings is probably around where you can hire. If you are based in San Francisco, I mean, junior developer salaries are starting at 140. So Jonathan, that's a lot of money for you. But as a company hiring, I, you know, I couldn't in good conscience spend that amount of money on a junior dev when I know I can hire somebody with 10 years of experience and they're located in a labor market that is just so much less expensive and a place with a cost of living that's much lower. So that's really where the real gains are. For that amount of money that you would get a junior dev in SF, you can actually hire somebody with 10 years experience who's led multiple teams, who is a really incredibly skilled engineer. So that's where the the real economic argument comes in. There is also some research that people are more productive remotely. Um, That was actually research out of Stanford from Nicholas Bloom, he found that um, call center workers got a whole extra day's worth of work done per week when they were allowed to work from home. So, I mean, that is call center. It's not exactly the same as software, but it's a huge productivity gain. Um, That's something that gets a lot of attention from companies, but that's short-run productivity. It's not the same as long-run effectiveness. So again, I do think you really need to invest those money savings, probably in a travel budget, because you've got to get your team together and you have to do remote right. I think it's penny-wise, pound-foolish if you end up doing remote only in order to save money and you don't really invest in that team and making those on-site remote trade-offs work by doing things like travel, getting people together, you know, at least every six months, probably ideally every quarter. Got it. So a few years ago, we saw some major companies and not just software companies call remote workers back to the office. Um, Companies like IBM, Yahoo, and Bank of America. So Emily, do you think that trend will continue? I do. Yes. Um, I think that the ability for people to come together, communicate more seamlessly and make better decisions is always going to be done in person. Even in remote teams, you're going to have to bring people together for offsites. So, you know, I work on a remote team when we have to make big decisions, we get together. And uh, I can totally see why big companies would start to consolidate again. But something that keeps coming up that sort of keeps bugging me is about the salary and how companies can save money on salaries based on remote workers. And ultimately, that relies on the fact that you're okay paying different engineers different wages for the same work. 
And I think fundamentally we have to decide as an industry if that's okay or not. Um, Certainly there's an argument based on, of course, the cost of living in Boise, Idaho is going to be different than San Francisco. But talent is talent. And I would hate for a remote team to depend on that kind of talent um, and cost savings in different parts of the country and then ultimately lose that talent to companies who are in SF or pick a city who are willing to pay those higher salaries because market value is market value. Yeah, and it sounds like it really depends on how do we place cost of living as a variable and how big of a variable is it in pay. Exactly. So our decider, Jonathan, seems to be drawn to both the remote and the on-site job offers, though he's leaning towards the on-site job. So knowing that he's a new developer who could use support, but is also someone who isn't the most productive on a nine to five schedule, um, what do you think the deciding factor should be for Jonathan? Uh, Katie, you first. Well, Jonathan feels like he's not going to be as productive. And the deciding factor here is going to be, what does Jonathan value? Does he want to optimize for his career at this stage? Or does he want to optimize for things beyond that? Is this just a job and he wants to, he has a family, he wants to spend time with his family, he wants to pursue other interests. Um, For somebody who's saying to me, I struggle to be productive on my own, I struggle to maintain a routine, I actually think I'm going to do better work in an office environment. If that person is optimizing for their career, I would say, well, you know your answer, Jonathan. If you want to do the best work possible and you're telling me you're not productive when you're left to your own devices, then you should probably not leave yourself to your own devices. It really, like any answer, it depends on the person. And Jonathan sounds like he's saying to us, he knows he works better in an office space. Yeah. And Emily, same question. Jonathan's a new developer who doesn't necessarily thrive on regular office hours. And he's also someone who's looking for flexibility. So what do you think he should do? I think we shouldn't confuse the issues of office work and a nine-to-five schedule. I think putting that in the same bucket is antiquated. So just because you are going into an office does not mean that you have to be there by 8.30 and you are, you know, expected to stay until 5.30. Instead, I would say... If you want to work in an office and you think that's where you're going to thrive and you're not alone, many people will, discuss with your team and your supervisor about the schedule that fits you best. But ultimately, I think more than the office and remote, Jonathan should take the job that is going to fit his lifestyle and has the highest wage and potential for career growth. That first job is so important to setting the tone for your full career and to making sure that you are commanding a salary that is both indicative of your talent and especially the market. So whether that's an office or remote job, uh, I I really think that's what he should be prioritizing. Absolutely. Uh, This has been super helpful. And thank you, Emily and Katie, for coming on the show and helping Jonathan out. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for having us. Katie Walmersley is VP of Engineering at Buffer, a social media publishing platform. Emily Freeman is a modern ops advocacy manager at Microsoft. She's also the author of DevOps for Dummies. You can find links in the show notes and at cto.ai slash podcast. Lots to consider from our debate. 
And maybe the decision is becoming a bit clearer for Jonathan or for you if you're considering one of these options for yourself or your team. Now, I want to add some more big picture perspective. According to Forbes.com, remote work is part of life for upwards of 50% of the U.S. population. And while this has proven to be a positive development for many in the workforce, an unintended consequence of this approach is increased loneliness and isolation for many employees. Some companies have instituted what they call in-the-office days. The idea is to have around one day a week where employees are encouraged to gather together in one place and connect with their coworkers more directly. Some large companies, as you heard earlier, have stopped offering remote work altogether. On the flip side, according to a Gartner survey, offering remote options in company work policies can lead to substantial operational savings. It can also boost employee rates by more than 10%. That's to say, firms that offer flexibility around work location are likelier to attract more talent. Wherever you are in your tech career, whether you're working from home in your bathrobe or rocking a corner office at company headquarters, CTO.AI thinks a lot about how to make work in software development and DevOps more efficient and effective. Visit CTO.AI to download the Ops platform. The Ops platform makes it easy for development teams to create and share workflow automations without leaving the command line. So, let's check back in with Jonathan now that he's set up with all of this information about remote and on-site work. And I think that I'm actually going to go towards the on-site for a few different reasons. So I ended up speaking with uh, the hiring manager at the on-site position, and I was actually able to get my schedule worked out so that I can still go pick up my daughter from school. They've given me the opportunity to remote in. So let's say I need to leave early. I still have the opportunity to spend time with my family, and then afterwards I can finish up some work if need be. As a new developer, I thought that it would be more beneficial for me, my career, and my learning path if I was able to have kind of that human interaction. And I just felt like it would be uh, an easier transition for me being that I am transitioning from one industry into the tech industry. So um, so had the on-site not offered that kind of flexibility, I definitely would have leaned more towards the remote position. All right then. Jonathan is opting for an on-site job, a good choice for him. It'll keep him focused on deadlines and give him good access to senior developers for mentoring. As you heard from the debate, neither option is a one-size-fits-all for businesses or employees. But hopefully, what you've heard today gives you a better idea of the promises and pitfalls of remote and on-site work and gives you a better sense of which will work best for you. If you've made the switch from remote to on-site or vice versa, let us know how it's going. Drop us a line and tell us what works for you and what doesn't. Let us know on our social channels at cto.ai slash podcast. And while you're there, subscribe to the series. It's free and new episodes arrive every two weeks. You can also find us and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen. Next time on Infels, it's a battle of repository hosting platforms. It's GitHub versus GitLab. We'll compare and debate these two platforms, all to help you choose the best one for your workflow. 
I'm Mayuko Inoue. Talk to you next time. What's a house coat? Oh, <laughs> house coat. That's a new one. Okay, I'll read the bathrobe version. Okay.